0: Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co host. Daniel, good to see you. Happy Tuesday, Dr. Paul. Good, good to be here today. Yes. I want to start off with uh, money. The money. government's spending too much money. Did you notice that? No. No, they're, that's not they're spending true. too much. But it, it's not a problem because it's not their money, <laughs> and it, there's no limit and uh, as long as the people say oh, i like your money it's going to go until it crashes yeah. what we're trying to do is prevent the crash and if it does happen know what to do make sure you have some gold and silver coins or something around it to yeah. happen but want to start off with the fact that uh our, our president's going to go on a is is this a business trip or a vacation he's it's not uh, a
1: vacation i don't think you I know <laughs> I, I i think
0: it's it's business because when when people spend a lot of money in washington those on the on the interventionist side whether it's military or domestic it's always an investment we're going to invest in america we're going to invest in the people so he must be going to invest Well, in this way, he's on a business trip to sell weapons or buy weapons or who knows what. But he's over there to, you know, to correct, uh, uh, you know, the relationship with Saudi. But, you know, our former president, his first trip went to Saudi Arabia and Israel. You know, nobody nobody seemed to make a big deal of that. But there's a bigger deal being made here with Biden uh, from the Democrats as much as Republicans, because I think uh, there's been a loss of confidence uh, in, in the president. But he, um, he 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 wants to work a deal, but there's lots of things going on. He yeah. wants to talk about Yemen, and you know, say, oh, well, maybe maybe we'll have to have you guys back off a little bit. Of course, if he's going to get Saudis to back off, doesn't he have to ask the U.S. to back off? <laughs> Usually, we're the ones that are launching missiles and sending them weapons. So it's a bit a bit of a farce, but it is a big news and. Uh, The Democrats, uh, you know, are worried about it. Not so much that they'll come out with a bad agreement. I mean, the agreements are going to be messy all the time, but they're worried, uh, I think, about how it will be handled, how, whether there will be any uh, mistakes along along the way. And things are said, well, I didn't mean that. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, we'll, we'll go over that in a little bit. We'll explain to you what the new language means. So we're going to hear more about it this week because he's going over there. And uh, he hasn't in the last couple of years come across as the shrewdest negotiator in international affairs. So I think a lot of people will be watching.
1: Yeah, it is interesting. You know, obviously this whole trip is about oil. He's going over there to beg the Saudis for more oil. And the question is, what leverage does he have? Well, not much because the, the, Russia, the sanctions against Russia, we, as we know, have backfired. They've caused the oil prices to skyrocket. Well, you know, the rising sea lifts all ships, so the Saudis are making also record money off of the oil, thanks to the U.S.'s boneheaded sanctions policy against Russia. Russia's just selling it everywhere else. And so what do you do? You've got $8 a gallon gas in places. You have Biden at the lowest point of his popularity, with even the vast majority of his own party saying, we don't want this guy again. Can someone take him off our hands? So what do you do? Well, you send him begging to Saudi Arabia. And let's put that first clip on. This is via our friends at Antiwar.com. This is a Reuters piece exclusive. U.S. weighs resumption of offensive arms sales to Saudis. And I was wondering, well, what do we have as leverage? What does Biden have as leverage? Well, back in last February, Dr. Paul, you know, the worst war in the world, and we've talked about it forever, is the Saudi aggression toward Yemen. They've basically turned that country into a moonscape, killed millions of people and just turned it into hell on earth. Well, they slowed down a little bit back in uh, after May 20, uh, after uh, 2021, February, when the Biden administration rightly said, "Okay, no more offensive weapons. Uh, You guys need to cool it with this. And there was a ceasefire that's been violated pretty often by the Saudis. Nevertheless, not as bad as it was. So what's, our, what's Biden's leverage to get more oil out of the Saudis? Well, the blood of Yemen. And that's what it is. Because he's going to go over there and he's going to say, hey, we need some oil. You guys want some uh, air-to-air missiles? You want some other good stuff? Okay. We'll give you the stuff again. We'll turn, our, we'll turn away from Yemen. We won't worry about it. But we need that oil because I have got an election coming up.
0: You know, and and the markets are interpreting this uh, in, a, in a way that is not going to hurt the supply of oil. Maybe they're discounting the fact that maybe he will get a couple extra barrels because, uh, you know, in the last couple of days, last week, <clears throat> the oil prices have actually dropped. And and it has to be because of the perceptions and it's not an unusual market thing, because even with inflation, things go up rapidly. But somebody else is going to say, hey, it's a little high. I'm going to, you know, correct it and, and, and sell on this. So they have have been doing that. And and right now the oil, the, the oil is down. But uh, it's um, it's long term. Uh, Saudis are at peak, or uh, they they claim, you know, yeah. and they're drilling, on and, and they say so they don't have a whole whole lot of leeway. Uh, and and the other factor that enters into this, exactly what will happen to oil, will be, uh, you know, the onset of the recession uh, and people use less gasoline, yeah. and, and because of the prices, they'll use less. So that that will have an effect. So, but yes, the the oil is, is a big deal, uh, but weaponry is always a big deal, and uh, it's almost sometimes the continuation of client uh, relationships, you know, we've got to stay on the good side because we sure don't want the Russians and the China to come in and all, sometimes there's bootlegging and black yeah, markets yeah. and all these kind of things to sell weapons to people seem like uh, they enjoy perpetual war. And uh right right now uh we we don't need it.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know what's interesting, it's a different topic, but uh the former president now of Sri Lanka called Putin I think last week and said, Hey, we're out of oil, we're out of money, we're in a real mess. Can you give us a hand? They said, Okay, we'll talk about it. A few days later there was a coup and he was deposed. So that's what happens <laughs> um, when you start doing that kind of stuff. But um the um and they actually put up that next clip because we published this is a retired Indian ambassador who I think is one of the most astute observers of the international scene, M.K. Kumar, and he makes a great comment about this article. He says Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed Salman is making Biden bite the dust, <laughs> which is basically what it is. Um, but you know, some people say even if the Saudis relented and said, "Okay, here's some more oil, we want to go ahead and get those those military <laughs> equipment," that it really wouldn't have an effect. And I'm not an expert in this; I don't pretend to be. But we've talked about it before, the refining capacity in the U.S. is now so compromised uh, by this war on uh, fossil fuels, et cetera, the green thing, that even if we were awash in oil, even if they filled Lake Mead with oil, it wouldn't really affect gas prices because they're not able to turn it into gasoline.
0: Yes, here they're putting a lot of weight on this trip that things could get better for the oil markets. But what has happened in the last two years uh, it's been talked about, and I think a lot of people understand, including Democrats right now. So you're bound to have a problem with the pricing of oil if the first thing you do is uh, you interfere with drilling. Yeah. And uh, we're no longer self-sufficient. So then they, if there's drilling handicapped uh, and, and some of it being closed down, because the radical uh, environmentalists. And then also the pipelines, pipelines that were working, pipelines that were on the verge of just opening, and and still the Europeans are rolling over for this. They've done everything. Yeah. So yes, you make a good point. You, you know, uh, refining oil, forget it, because unless they come up with some decency, this is the reason why I had a, a false uh, hope, I guess, when I saw after the Cold War, that we would be trading more with people, China and and Russia. But uh, you can see why free trade, if you're trading with people, they should bake off. Right now we still do business with China oh, yeah. it's not like everything has stopped because it's so important, but everybody's playing to their hawkish element back at home and that happens here and puts Biden in a bind because because he has two influential groups the people who have a little bit of common sense left and then also also the the other ones who are the radicals that say, whoa it doesn't matter we want to get rid of all the oil." And they've said that's their policy. We, we don't want to use hydrocarbon. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think it's starting to add up. And hopefully it's the kind of thing that uh, wisdom tended to grow during COVID. The longer the pain and suffering could, could last. And the people did speak out, and that was good. And I think maybe uh, the people will speak out during this election year because I, I, I do think that more than just Republicans this isn't just complaining about the policies of course if you look at it as uh, objectively as possible you 'll realize that uh, the republican military industrial complex and their oil industry aren 't exactly clean on all this too yeah. uh, and, and, and you know the uh, Republicans unfortunately i think restored uh, more excitement about uh, uh, tariffs and and uh, uh, having sanctions which have been very ha- harmful overall even in, the, in this whole thing about oil
1: yeah it's uh it's pretty funny, and the next uh, thing we want to talk about now, I think is uh is a real hit scratcher because a couple of days ago Jake Sullivan, who has a lot of skeletons in his closet about Russia gate, and maybe someday that'll come out, maybe if Congress changes hands, he came out a couple of days ago, and dr Paul, this is one of those things I see the headline and I think this doesn't seem right this seems weird. He came out and actually put up that next clip uh he came out and said uh National Security Advisors from CNN, Jake Sullivan, says the U.S. has information indicating that Iran is preparing to supply Russia with drones, including weapons-capable drones, and begin training Russian forces on how to operate them as early as later this month. And I immediately thought Iran, is, they've got some pretty rudimentary uh, military uh, uh, construction capabilities, and Russia seems to be rolling out some pretty decent weapons. And then I thought back, and thanks to our friends at Moon of Alabama and Bernard out there, uh, who was thinking in a way what I was thinking, and that's this next clip, because it was Jake Sullivan just a couple of months ago, and this is back on March 13th, Russia seeks military equipment and aid from China, (laughs) U.S. officials say. Uh, so, So why would Russia be buying drones from Iran when it seems to be fully capable of building its own? Well... I think there's a lot that goes into it, and in fact, Dr. Paul, even a reporter for The Economist, the Russia-hating Economist, tweeted this out, and this is probably the first thing that goes through people's minds who are thinking about this, um, if we can put that up. And this is Greg Karlstrom of The Economist saying, does Iran even have hundreds of weapons-capable drones to export? It has limited production capacity. Would be surprising to say the least if it could churn out hundreds, let alone hundreds of useful weapon system, rather than worth, worthless. Uh, I can't pronounce the the drone that they have. So, is this just propaganda? Is it Jake Sullivan lying once again, as he lied about the Chinese supplying Russia with weapons, which was absolutely false?
0: Maybe that's too complicated. <laughs> <laughs> but may, maybe what's going on here is that they've uh, discovered. Free market comp- competition, <laughs> and there's a couple companies over there just vying for their business. It has nothing to do with politics, it has nothing to do with uh, Americans buying most of these weapons. And uh, somehow or another, and we've said that, that you know, we talked about this, uh, you know, in Ukraine where do the, where do the weapons really go? And uh, for a long, long time, I think I, think I came across uh, this uh, obvious uh, fact that uh, when we send money and weapons to various countries in foreign aid, and you make the point quite frequently, that the money never goes over there. The money just goes to the manufacturers here in this country. But my discovery was that if you pause long enough and you send a lot of weapons, the weapons never got into the hands of our friends that we were supporting. And lo and behold, Some of those weapons were actually used against us. So just think of, uh, you know, when we leave an area like, I guess uh, Afghanistan would be an example. What did we leave behind there? It certainly was true when we had to rapidly exit Vietnam. We do all those weapons and then they get sold. What happened when uh, things had to be cleaned up a little bit in Libya? Weapons ended up in Syria. You know, there's a, there's still a market out there, uh, but it's uh, not the kind of market we're uh, trying to promote. And the
1: timing is so weird. So why out of the blue is Sullivan coming out and saying, we've got some reports that the Iranians <laughs> are selling drones to those evil Russians? We'll put on the next clip, and I think this is an explanation for it. Um, the next one, actually, if we can. And this is the point. President Vladimir Putin to visit Iran next week. His visit to coincide with Joe Biden's visit to Saudi Arabia to ask for oil. And this is our friends at at Moon of Alabama also pointed out. This is a way of putting Russia and Iran in the same nasty camp, right as Biden is visiting Saudi's uh, enemies, uh, 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 Iran's enemies in Saudi Arabia. And he's also going to uh, try to bribe Saudi Arabia to normalize relations with Israel. So going over there bashing Iran, they think, will help. And I think that's the origin of this pretty tall tale that they're going to be selling some drones. You know,
0: we, we talked a lot about when it was occurring in 2014 about the coup and the takeover, uh, you, you, you know, for, of a, an elected leader in Ukraine and the subsequent problems that that led to. But what about... Uh, if you were a theoretician, you're just thinking about it. Wonder what the world would have been like if we were never involved in the coup in 1953. Yeah. I mean, yes, there were problems. There were differences in religious beliefs and and politics and all. But it wasn't a guarantee back then if we wouldn't have uh, you know gotten rid of an elected leader in Iran that uh, it wouldn't have you know sowed the seeds. Uh, of, of what uh, lasted, continues to last, but last and really led up to the hostage taken and everything else.
1: Well, intervention leads to more intervention, <laughs> yeah, leads there to more you to, go. Undo, to undo it, so <laughs> anyway, Jake Sullivan, I don't know, he, he, is, he is a pretty bad guy, let's just be <laughs> honest. Well the next is an interesting article, and this is all kind of on the same thing, it's about military spending. <laughs> But this is from a piece in Responsible Statecraft, I think, from yesterday or today. We can even put that up if you you don't mind. It's kind of an old story, but it's got to be retold because it continues to recur. Congress showers the Pentagon with cash while Americans pinch pennies. And I like the way that the author of this article combines the two. We are in a real bind here at home, Dr. Paul, in our economy. What does Congress do? More money for weapons. And I'll just do the quick quote before putting it back to you if we can put on that next clip because this is the clip from the article yet this week he's talking about the bad economy yet this week Congress is on track to give the Pentagon 37 billion more than the military even asked for you
0: know that that's the real irony it's supposed to be that there's a little bit of competition there and why it sounds like it originated in the executive branch uh, it's, this is supposed to originate in, in, the, in the legislative branch and, and work its way through, but it doesn't happen that way. And uh, it's, it is uh, it is amazing how often the Congress—I I don't know what that vote vote was, but I think we did talk about the vote. Most of the time, it's very bipartisan. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they, oh yeah, we we need to we need to increase this, and and then they'll all go home and say the same thing—that they're strict constitutionalists and they believe in limited government uh we have to de- and the other one that practically nauseates me is we have to defend American democratic liberty yeah. you know de- uh, democracy is uh, their sacred uh, word that they that they use it has nothing to do with uh, that, about their freedom uh, that the Constitution has given us and and you know the, they actually you know convince themselves i think it's self-deception they certainly don't feel badly about it so the whole the whole principle of the uh constitution that uh has been eroded steadily especially bad in the last 100 years and then in the last 10 or 15 it's accelerated now it's it's just it's terrible how they can do this and have no remorse whatsoever and believe uh, you know, that the, they are the true constitutionalists. And some of them, though, are a little bit honest, but we don't even believe in that stuff. We want to get rid of the Constitution. We, we need to start all over again and make it very clear that this is a responsibility of the people who have been duly elected, yeah. you know, to take care of them, make everybody safe and police the world and bring about peace and prosperity for everyone.
1: Well, you you really hit it on the head dr paul when you talk about the slogans they use and these slogans are a scam that they use to justify destroying our economy even further and they say well we gotta we gotta spend this money to keep america strong to keep america safe well that's not what it's all about and this is a link that was in the responsible statecraft article it was a link to a 2021 may 2021 study made by the institute for international policy And and I want to put up this next clip because this is what it's really about, Dr. Paul. This is an executive compensation top five Pentagon contractors in 2020 in millions of dollars. Uh, This is the CEO and total executive team pay for these companies. Lockheed Martin, CEO, $23.3 million a year. Raytheon, $19 million a year. General Dynamics, $20 million. Boeing, 21.1 million. Northrop Grumman, 20.8 million. Total executive compensation at Lockheed, almost 90 million, 90, 60, 60. So what this is all about, Dr. Paul, is not keeping America strong and safe. As you know better than anyone, it's about enormous salaries for people who sell war and destruction and mayhem and a little bit of crumbs sprinkled over the think tanks that come out with the papers saying we need more war overseas and this is what it's all about. It has nothing to do with keeping America
0: you know, safe. When I was looking at this, I thought that they did a very good job in uh, describing the professionalism from their viewpoint. They're they're shrewd. They know how to do it. They've had the experience, and they have a lot of money. Yeah. <clears throat> so they uh, spread it around. Uh, they indicated there was a hundred million dollars spent on lobbying. You have uh-huh. to have a good lobbyist. A good lobbyist is worth uh, ten members of Congress. I yeah. mean, that's <laughs> how they trade it off. And then there, then there's then they appeal to Former members of Congress. Why would that be? Well, some of them have very good jobs, and they know all what they are. How about the uh, how about the military pundits on television? Oh, yeah. I imagine they get paid for that. Them huh, in their objectivity that they yeah. have, and and they have that. And then and then they uh, the the rich people involved in all this, and they can afford it because they have so much money coming from the taxpayers when they run it up in the budget. No wonder they vote to increase it. How, how about the think tanks yeah. do, do they get and they get the deducted there will be, yeah. be a tax deduction for them there and uh, this This describes the whole industry, the military industrial complex. And I didn't realize, you know, how many different ways they can do it. They can just be flat out dishonest and like world empire, which is probably correct. And these are are just the uh, tools and the efforts on how they are able to grab hold and grab control of it. And that is why they have access to the members of Congress. Boy, if you've been a chairman of one of those committees that dealt with uh, you know, military expending. And then you retire, I think they, I think they're, and uh, it's, a, it's a more than a golden parachute. It's a, it's a, it's a big deal for them. And, and it's not like one and two people. It's yeah, a lot of A them. lot of people. Well, it's
1: a lot easier to fall in love with World Empire when it's building you a big mansion in McLean, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's easy to convince yourself that they're doing the Lord's work. Well, I'm gonna. Do you have you? Have some, you might have something else you want to bring up about voting. I think. Yeah, this is this, this is
0: this is just a personal scratcher. Well, you know, I think it it annoys me personally. Why don't I just relax? It's it's no big deal. Yeah, no, then no. I say. No, I think this is a big deal.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> there's a, I uh, agree. <laughs> there's, a, there's a law uh, a, uh, a suit in Arizona because they had a vote that said they were extreme. I mean, you know the people in Arizona. <laughs> they're, 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 they're just way out of it. They, they have this idea that um, if you have people come in a vote, that they should uh, identify themselves Oh my goodness! Yeah, we want to know if you're a citizen. That's a citizen, so that's what it's all about. Can they have illegals vote? And and uh, the um, DOG is suing Arizona because they have a law that says this, and it's going to be fought out for a long time. But you know what? The way I see this is, let's say you have the individual walk in, and he's absolutely. Illegal. He's been uh, in town for a week, yeah. and he gets his he gets his directions. He says, "Do this. You don't have to answer any questions. Just go in, and you'll see a ballot like this. It will tell you you know what to do. Yeah. And it'll tell you how to vote." And uh, so he goes in and gives a vote, and lo and behold, it's a vote for uh, you know the big spenders. Yeah. But what if uh, then you or I walk in and we decide we're going to vote? We've already been canceled. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, they say that we're protecting the right of that individual, that he never be denied the right to vote just because he hasn't lived here long enough and all that. (laughs) And they turn it around and say it's bigotry toward the people who aren't (laughs) citizens. At the same time, they're really... You know, uh, penalizing the American, and what what happens if uh, they get two people to do that, and there's only one that went in and voted? Uh, you know, then the vote changes.
1: Yeah, but you know, you got to get Biden reelected, so <laughs> whatever. <it laughs> right. Says. So I'm going to close out just to remind everyone again, because uh, we have a very short window of opportunity to do this next one. Apply today to be a 2022 Ron That's Paul the, Scholar. Oh this is RonPaulInstitute.org. Uh, We've got the day before our Washington conference that will be September 2nd an all-day seminar for upper division grad and grad students Great lecturers great opportunity to meet other students with similar perspectives on non-interventionism and (coughs) civil liberties It's a great event you you attend the conference the next day as you know dr. Paul This will be our third time holding this Uh, We've got scholarships available To those who are selected we got a big slew of applications yesterday after i announced it i want a huge slew uh, so that we can get the best candidates but again thanks to our generous donors we do have scholarships available to defray the cost of attending so why not just go ahead and apply and become a ron paul 2022 scholar dr paul very
0: good and i want to just add uh, (coughs) Uh, Daniel puts a lot of time in this. Believe me, there's a lot of administrative work going into this, Because, uh, you know, there's things I like to do and I like to study. I like to participate. I like to, you know, what's happening in politics. I'm interested in economics. But the job that Daniel does, keeping up with this and being organized. And, um, you know, when the day the uh, convention starts and our meetings, he's a little bit nervous. But not much, but he really feels good when it's over because everybody pats him on the back. <laughs> so, so we're looking forward to it. And, and we want to be uh, uh, sure that everybody that you know watches our program and supports us and comes to our conventions know how much we appreciate your support because this is a vehicle that we use uh, as a goal to promote peace and prosperity. And uh, I think the big issue is uh, who's telling the truth. And uh, we've never had perfection in society. We've had people you know, on one side that will do a good job in seeking out the truth and promoting the truth. And then we have others that are absolutely impossible. So you have uh, liberty-minded people versus the authoritarians and uh and there's a battle an intellectual battle that goes on and there are some days we feel good about it matter of fact i feel better about how we're making progress there in the area of issues than uh than i do on uh you know the political system i've sort of learned to be a little bit numb with what's happening in washington Even though I'm hopeful that they'll do something this year that will be interpreted in the right manner, that it just doesn't interpret. It means, well, we have to change our intervention, our support, and our spending a little bit, and that'll satisfy our base. Maybe we even need more money in the military-industrial complex. That's what we don't need. We need we need people that will come together, and that's why we're so interested in trying to get a coalition of progressive-minded people who understand civil liberties and, uh, and non-interventionist foreign policy coming together with libertarian and conservative constitutionalists coming together because the coalition of the hardcore uh... democrats in the the democratic party as well as in the republican party uh... the military industrial complex influence there is also noticeable so uh... i I think that has to be. That's what I work with in my mind. Is trying to bring people together. Uh, instead, you know, the, there's one thing that they always say. We well, have to compromise. Why don't you guys compromise? Why you want uh, You want a hundred million. He wants uh, fifty million. Why don't you compromise? Just settle for seventy-five million. And, uh, and, and pass it. I think that's the wrong way to do because you, you, the person who sacrificed 25% or 25 billion million million uh, have given away the, the, the principle of liberty. All you have to do is sacrifice a little bit and you've sacrificed the whole principle. And that's what we've been doing. We've been nibbling away. And a lot of people say, well, we'll just do, we'll have a little bit of intervention. We'll send some food stamps over there to help our dictator friend and let him take care of things. No, that isn't right. There's, non-intervention is easily de- definable and uh, non-aggression is easily definable. Non-intervention's foreign policy is definable. Honest money is definable. Telling the truth actually can be, uh, you know, uh, you can be figured out because I think most people have an instinct and know what telling the truth really means. But I do want to thank you once again for joining us uh, with the Liberty Report today. Please come back soon.